Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. And, you know, I see my friends today, I see their families and, and my acquaintances from back then, and they're in jail. Some have died, divorce. It's a disaster. And we've heard this so many times from up here, from different people, from distant, different testimonies, but that is a living uh, truth in my life. And one of the turning points for me and how this message is going to impact you here tonight, how it's going to change your life is like this, and this is what God did for me. At the age of 17, I was involved in a very competitive sport of weightlifting, and I don't say this too often because it's not something I like to talk about. It was a terrible time in my life. I did not know the Lord. I was fatherless. I was running around the streets of Miami like a nut, and it was not a good time. It was not good memories for me, but I was very um, into that sport, and I excelled at high levels. I was sponsored by ESPN. Came out on the sports network many times in that sport. Um, came out in uh, many magazines, Muscle and Fitness, Flex, um, articles. Uh, I also had a sponsor by Gold's Gym. And we traveled um, to many states in the country. And um, I was able to, over, I was able to uh, place as a state champion in 1989 in that sport. And uh, I think it was in the James O. Knight Center in downtown. That's where they had the event. And I was able to win that whole entire show. And then we went to Texas, Houston, a year later. And I placed third in the nation out of 150 competitors. And so God in the world really brought me at that level. And there was a thing called pride that had entered into my heart. But I could remember getting off the plane with the team it was me and three other uh, young men and teenagers. And as we got off this airplane, we landed at MIA and we get off the plane and I get home and I have my trophy and all this other stuff. And I remember walking into an empty house, you know, and uh, I, I just, God had already started to work in, was already starting to work in my heart. But when I walked into that empty home, you know, my mom was off doing her thing, working, I think. My sister, God knows where. And so empty home. And so I said to myself, if I could just accomplish this one thing, then I'll be super complete. I will have made it, you know. I'm going to work so hard and eat right and do everything necessary to get to this one accomplishment. And if I could win states, and I did, if I could just place in the, in, the, in the nationals, and I did. When I got home and I found myself alone in an empty home, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I'm not filled. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. The satisfaction and the reward isn't what I thought. And I am empty. I need something. And that was at the age of 18 by now, 19. Um, and so at the age of 21, God captured my heart, and it was through humility that he captured me. It was through that, um, that thing of being humbled before the Lord and him showing me that I'm nothing, that without him I'm nothing, and I need him. And he became my father. And when I met Suleika, my wife, I said, listen, you know something? God truly to me is a dad to me. He is like a real father. And that's what I've embraced is the fatherhood of Christ. As I, I've received the adoption. And a few weeks ago when I shared here, I, I remembered uh, to remind you guys, I said that we need to know where we came from. And we're from the seed of Jesus. How many of you remember that? It was a powerful word. And I think that if we don't know that we're from the seed of Christ and we don't know where we come from, then we're not going to be able to walk in that dignity and that honor that God wants us to walk. So the message of the gospel will bring us to our knees and allow us fully to understand the love of our Father. We will learn tonight that our Lord is humble with all his strength, with all his majesty, wisdom, and power. And we are called to learn and follow his example. It's important for the saints of Christ, the body of Christ, to understand the humility of the Lord. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about humility. Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord. I ask you to bless your people 
touch their hearts, Lord, that this word will land on fertile ground, that one day it will bear much fruit. Fill the hearts of your people with your love, your peace, and your, your, your humility, Lord. We thank you. We love you, Lord. Have your way in this place tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. 2, 2 um, Timothy 2.23. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Next verse. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. We're going to go all the way to verse 26, so keep it going. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hermanius and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, seated with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house... There are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood, clay, and some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. All right, let's stop there for a moment. A lot of times we come with the sword of the spirit and cup, cut up people and discourage them and try to, uh, you know, the thing is we try to shove a churraco down their throat when somebody comes with an issue right? Let's say we're Christian. We've come to the truth. We know the Lord and someone comes with an issue and we as Christians want to counsel them. We want to give them something that's going to encourage them. That's going to help them get restored. Now, the trick is, is that how is it that you're able to counsel this person and at the same time, encourage them so that they can come to the repentance and they can come to the truth without hurting or crushing their spirit, will they, where they never want to serve again, where they never want to come back into the house of the Lord again. So your job is to correct them with the love of Christ. And instead of cutting them up with the spirit or cutting them up with the sword of the spirit, your job is to come at them with the love of Christ boldly and firm, but do it in such a manner that you will bring them to the repentance of the Lord and encourage them at the same time. So it's a mystery on how we can do this with the humility, clothed with the humility of Christ, and how we can encourage people in the Lord to help them get to the next place that they need to be in the Lord. Are you with me? Stay with me. Okay, so as we do this, we need to clothe ourselves with something. And we said it was humility. But we also need to ask God for the wisdom of the Lord. If you do not have the wisdom of the Lord, you're not going to be able to do this. And so it requires the grace of God to be able to confront these issues. And a lot of times we don't do this because the fear of the Lord is in us or the fear of man is in us. So I could recall back um, many times where I was not able to speak to people the way I'd like to. And I've always asked God, God, please help me because I'm coming with the harshness and the baggage of the world. And that's not the character of Christ. That's not the humility of the Lord. So God, teach me how I can talk to this person and show them the love that they need. And so through the years, the Lord was able to do this with me, and I was able to um, encourage them. And when we're trying to shove this heavy-duty um, Bible study down these people's throats, when they're still trying to digest the milk that they just received two weeks ago, they're still being burped. They're still trying to digest what they just received. So we have to ask God for the humility of Christ. If we don't teach uh, 2 Timothy 2.23, then we have failed to do our jobs in the humility of the Lord. And some of us need to be reminded where we came from. 
You see the opposite of humility? Pride. And so I'm reminded of, of the prideful attitudes that a lot of us had. If you can remember back when God rescued or captured your heart. Before he called you son or daughter. How he embraced you. Do you remember the pride that you used to have? The pride look? A lot of times, um, a huge percentage of communication is nonverbal. It's not what we say. It's our demeanor. It's our attitude. It's the way we walk, the way we look at people, like I'm better than you. And this happens all the time. It happens in the grocery stores. It happened to me today at the red light when it turned green. And I looked down for a moment, and the lady behind me, I looked in the rearview mirror. She's like, you know? I'm like, I'm sorry. And so I just went. And so it happens all the time. Pride. Man, pride will destroy you. Pride is a poison. And a lot of times, even in the Lord, when God starts to bless us, I'm not just talking about financial, but when he starts to bless us and we start to grow in the Lord and we start to blossom or God enriches us with a tremendous ministry and we see ourselves busy about God's business, we can also be filled with pride even here in the house of God. Now, I'm talking to a Wednesday night Bible study. I'm talking to people who most people here have been saved. They've been washed with the blood. And so I'm reaching out to you tonight saying, hey, listen, you know, there's always a little pride in our hearts. And sometimes we can walk around, I know more than them. Or I can't believe that so-and-so has been in the gospel for 20 years and they didn't say hi to me today. And that's pride. You're thinking you're better than them by saying that. And so we need to rid ourselves of this pride. And we need to be careful with that poison that will come to contaminate us. Let's see in Titus. I'm reminded of the verse in Titus chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Titus... <clears throat> Amen. Remind the people to subject the rulers and authorities to be obedient and to be ready to do whatever it is good. Whatever is good. Next verse. To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and to show true humility towards all men. That is a powerful scripture right there. And I'm blessed by what that word says there, if we do not show the humility towards all people, then we are losing our mark. The Lord has called us to walk with him a certain way. And we see how. Um, we were reminded of a word that was given to us not too long ago. Um, and it's the fruit of the spirit. And so I'm always with the youth. And they are like, hey, I'm hungry. What time is the food? And when are we going to eat? And I'm like, hey, what are some of the fruits of the spirit? What's wrong with you? It's 9.30. We're going to eat. Take it easy. And so let's go to Galatians chapter 5. I can't talk to you about humility tonight unless if we go to this scripture. And so Galatians chapter 5 verses 22. We see here that there is a humility. So you see the words are dancing. So I need to do this again. I'm sorry. Bear with me. Pray for my eyes as I, or to get used to the glasses. All right, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. There is one characteristic of the Lord that will enable us to prosper in all things. If we see in Psalms uh, chapter 147 verse 6, uh, the Lord will lift up the humble. In Psalms 147.6, the Lord will lift up the humble. So we see how the way up is down. And the Lord sustains the humble, but cast the wicked to the ground. If you're humble before the Lord, if you're able and, and you learn how to walk in the humility of the Lord, the Lord's going to keep you. He's going to bless you. He's going to help you get to the next place that you need to get to. And we're not only talking in church or with your family. In every area, in every area, the Lord is going to help you if you're able to get to that place of humility. We've heard many times the way up is down. And what does that mean exactly? 
You might be thinking, well then, should I let people take advantage of us or use us? Does that, is that what humility means? That as a Christian, you're just supposed to let people take advantage of you and use you? And you're never supposed to say anything to anybody? And people are supposed to do whatever they want to you? No. That's not the character of Christ. As Christians, we are called to walk in God's wisdom. Listen to, listen to this. If you're taking notes, you want to say that you're going to be walking in God's wisdom, his strength, his courage, and valor. You see, Christians are not called to be weak. And a lot of times when you tell people that you're serving the Lord and that you're a Christian, the first thing they think of is that you're weak. Oh, yeah, this guy, he doesn't drink or they don't do the, they don't say jokes anymore. Oh, they don't have sex before me. They're, these people are weak. They're boring. This youth, man, they don't know how to have fun. They don't know how to have fun. Why don't you come hang out with us this weekend at that college and retreat and you'll see what fun is. Listen, we as the people of Christ, if we don't clothe ourselves with humility, I don't think that we're going to win anybody to the Lord. It's how you live outside these doors, and as you walk in the humility of Christ, that's what's going to win people to Christ. It's not just what you say, it's how you live. And if we can't have the strength, if we can't have the courage to speak when, needed to be, when we need to speak, then we're not going to do anything for God. And you see, this is just a huddle. The church is just a huddle. We come here. We hear the word of God. Uh, the quarterback, which is Jesus, is giving us the plays. I'm just relaying the play that he gave to me. Quarterback in football is the guy that throws the ball, in case you guys didn't know. And you guys are the ones that are the receivers. You're going to grab the ball, and you're going to run with it and score that touchdown. Scoring that touchdown is bringing somebody to Christ. Come on. So we need to know that the heart of God, the humility of Christ, needs to be in our heart to win others to the Lord. If we're not, if you see, the church has no business being weak. You guys need to get radical, and I'm here to stir up that gift in you tonight. I'm here to tell you that God has a strength in you, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know, when we first got married, my favorite verse, Philippians um, 4.13, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I remember, not on purpose, but I had the little um, frame in my bathroom. And people would go and use the restroom, and they're, hey, that was funny, man. I'm like, what do you mean? And so I didn't get it. And unfortunately, and without even noticing, I had the, 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 the little frame right above the toilet. And so I'm like, I'm not playing. That's not funny to me. I didn't mean to do that on purpose. And so I moved it. And I put it in front of my door, and I put it on the, fr- on the walls of my living room. And that was my favorite verse, but I'm, I love that verse because that's what God has called us to do. That's what God has called us to be as his people, as his sons and daughters that have been adopted into his family. So we're not called uh, just because I'm telling you to humble yourself. We have a misconception of what humility is. And I don't want you to miss out on what God is trying to tell you tonight. He wants you to really understand humility. God wants you to understand that to be humble doesn't mean to be weak. Do you guys understand that? Stay with me. All right, so as we enter in this walk with the Lord and we try to embrace his humility, I'm reminded of the verse in James 4.6. If we can go to James 4.6, and this is a very popular verse. And it says this, it says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Listen, if you are going to be proudful at your work, and, and, and I tell my son all the time, I say, Joseph, you better stop saying, yeah, and all this. Listen. You had a nice, you got a nice hit, you made a nice play. You better give God the glory because then you're gonna be take God doesn't play around with you. You can play with a lot of things, but don't play with God. God gave you that ability. And if you don't use it for his glory, he'll take it away from you. And so we need to walk in that humility of Christ. We need to know if we get a big account at work or we land a big deal or we get congratulated for doing something great wherever and with whomever it is, the first thing that should come to your mind is thank the Lord that I was able to do that. Thank God if it wasn't for him and his grace 
then I would have never been able to get to that place or uh, accomplish what I accomplished. So God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Man, I'm telling you that the pride, pride will eat you alive. It'll tear you apart. It'll rip you into pieces if you really don't come. And we're going we're gonna to learn tonight how to come under that humility. We're going to learn tonight how to walk in that humility. And it doesn't happen because uh, a light switch turns on and off. We're going to see in God's word how you guys can walk in that humility. How God's grace, uh, how, how he'll um, give the grace to the humble. Without grace, without the grace of God, we would not be here. Do you understand? We would not be able to minister to you our life, our, our, our gospel, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would not be able to do that without grace. At least I know that. And the first things I said to you tonight was I'm humbled before the Lord truly because I know that if it wasn't for him, man, I would not have the wife I have. I would not have the children I have. I would not have all of you as my church family. I wouldn't have anything. I know what I was headed to. I know where I would have ended up had I not received the Lord into my heart. And I started to walk in his grace and humility. And over the years, I have been humbled because a little bit of pride sometimes tries to creep in, doesn't it? Sometimes we think, yeah, look what I did. Or, man, you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, I look good, you know. And you just, God doesn't like that. Our God is a jealous God. He wants all the glory and everything for him. It's all about him. We need to breathe, live, walk. Yeah, we're fanatics. Absolutely. I am a fanatic for Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to say it. And that's the way that I live my life. I live it like that at work. I live it like that at my house. I live it like that here. And with me, what you see is what you get. And if there is pride that enters into my life, and I know that this has happened to you, if you guys are saying, no, not me, then you're lying. Because if a little bit of pride comes into your heart and you've already been adopted into his family as his son or daughter, he will knock you down. And he'll humble you so you could be reminded that you need to have his humility to take the next step where he wants you. We can make it a point to learn and live humble for the Lord. Or we can be humbled by the Lord through circumstances, as I just mentioned. We see how God humbled the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, watch this. And if you're taking notes, write that down because this is powerful. And I'm going to go to the bigger words because that's better for me. <clears throat> Remember how the Lord, your God, led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. To humble you and to test you. Look at here where it says to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Do we want to get to that place where God needs to humble us and test us to know what's in here? I don't know. Um, whether or not you would keep his commands. Next verse. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So even in the midst of God humbling the Israelites and trying to teach them a lesson to see what was in their heart, he still fed them because he loves us. And he does these things so that he could teach us his love. He does these things so because he loves us. And I'm reminded of this story of my Yorkie. I have a two-and-a-half-pound Yorkie. His name is Buddy. And uh, Buddy, tremendo. Buddy, my dog, is just, he is just courageous, this little dog. Okay? And let me tell you, when we got this dog, it, it was very hard to convince the queen of the home. Because she's not, a, she doesn't hate animals, but she's not a dog person. And I'm like, okay, look how cute. And so we got it in, and her father was the one that gave us this dog as a Christmas present um for zoe apparently and so we got the dog we convinced everybody everything was fine and we brought the dog home and i said okay i i grew up with dogs i know how to train dogs very well and i'm not just saying that what did that sound a little prideful god i'm sorry <laughs> and so <laughs> but i i do know how to train dogs so i said this dog's not gonna do number one or number two in the home and I know exactly how to train him. So for the first three months of that little puppy's life, 
he didn't like it too much. It was rough. We had a rough three months. That dog had it rough, but it was consistency. I'm telling you, that dog, a little slip, I would grab him, take him outside, no. And I would show him, and I would tell him, and I would tell him no, and I didn't miss a beat. Anytime I was around and it would happen, I would let him know. And now, five years later, because I disciplined that dog, because I taught that dog, and I knew where to put the cage, which is right next to the door where he goes out and does his business, and when he comes right back in, we tell him, go to your room, and the dog goes to his room. Those of you who have gone to my house know that dog is like a 10 hut. That dog is awesome. He is trained. And so thank God for that. Um, had I not done that, till this day, guess what I would, we would be doing every, because the agreement was, uh, you know, if we keep the dog, then the kids would have to clean it. If we wouldn't have trained that dog, guess what would be happening every day when we get home? We would be cleaning the dog's mess. And nobody wants to clean the dog's mess. But you see, a little bit of correction, a little bit of teaching the dog to be humble. If not, he's going to be humbled by me. He learned his lesson. So that dog now, he'll wait a whole entire day and we'll take him out nine, ten hours and he'll just sit out there for half an hour and do whatever he has to do. Now... The flip side of this is that Buddy's parents, those two dogs, her father owns them. The mother and the father of my dog, those dogs are not trained. And they've had them for over 10 years. And you know what happens every time my father-in-law gets home? They waste so much money on paper towel that is not even funny because he didn't take the time out for those three months to train the dog. Some of us, God has been trying to teach us. God has been trying to show us humility through circumstances, and we haven't learned our lesson. So God's coming after us trying to clean up our mess for year after year, month after month, and, he, and we still haven't gotten it. And so God is graceful. He's merciful. He's patient. He's kind. Because if he wasn't, half of us in this room would not even be here. And I thank God for that. But... We're going to see here in the word tonight how God was able to teach some of the men and women here in the word of the Lord humility. And I'm reminded I cannot think of humility without thinking one of my favorite people in the Bible, which is Peter. And when I think of Peter, I'm rem it reminds me of probably how I was in, you know, before I came to Christ. Proudful. What do you mean? Urgh! I think of Peter, this rugged, strong character type of guy. Don't try to tell me I know how to do it better than you. Get out of my face type of guy. The man's man. You know what I mean? And so Peter was this kind of guy and, and, and before Christ. And we see how Christ came into Peter's life. So I love this story. And we're going to go into it really quick. So we can see how this circumstance humbled Peter. So much so that we all know that Peter, I'll never deny you. And he did three times. Not only that. But he ended up dying for the cause of Christ. But we see here in Luke 5, if we go to Luke chapter 5, how we see this awesome story and how Peter was humbled through this circumstance. And a lot of us are like that. You see, Jesus is coming and he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's trying to tell you something tonight. And we're not listening. We don't believe that it's possible that we could enter into the humility of the Lord. We don't think it's possible. Just like Peter, in denial. No, I'm never going to be able to catch anything. I've been out there all day. So if we can go to Luke chapter 5, is that working? Let's see here. I have my Bible. You got it? <clears throat> Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lakes of the Genesaret with the people crowding, Round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, which was Peter, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, this is Peter. Uh, Simon uh, answered and said, Master, 
We've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets begin to break. We all know the story. But as you can go back one verse, let's go back to verse 5. This is, this is Peter. This is the pride. This is like, don't try to tell me. A lot of times Christ is talking to us. He's telling us something. He's telling us, listen, that person spoke to you and they said some harsh things to you. But don't respond to foolishness. If you respond to foolishness, you're never going to win anybody over to anything. But if you humble yourself and you respond with wisdom or not respond at all and just show the character of Christ with your demeanor, then maybe that person might come to the cross. But we see here Peter in this circumstance saying, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So he's arguing with Jesus. He's telling him, Jesus, no, I'm not going to go back out there. We've done this already, and it didn't happen. So, no, I'm not going to go. But then he said, oh, wait a second. You know, he came to his sense for a moment, and he says, but because you say so, let's see if it's true. Let's go ahead and let down the nets. And when they had done so, when Jesus says to do something, look what happens. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. How, what is it going to take for us to know that if Jesus is saying, do this thing, we're not going to be, no, that, no, 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 be driven by fear or I don't know if this is going to happen. What is it going to take for God in all his majesty and God in all his strength to tell us something and we could actually listen the first time, yes, sir, and do it. And then actually, whoa, I didn't, whoa, I actually caught fish so fast and not only a little, so many that the net begins to break. That's what the word of the Lord says. And so God is trying to teach tonight the circumstance. And so we see by the time that um, the large number of fish that their nets begin to break, that was the point right there where I imagine Peter was humbled. Right there, Peter had to be humbled because he tried to argue with the master. He tried to tell him, no, if we do this, we're not going to be able to catch. I've already tried this all night. There's no fish. It's not happening. But then Peter, he went and he did what he, he was like. I bet you anything, Peter was, if I was going to go, if you hear the, if you read the word of the Lord and you see how Peter's life was, he was a proudful man, like a lot of us were. I know I was. And I could just imagine Peter was like, I'm just going to go out there to show this guy that there's no fish. And I'm going to say, you see, I told you. I just bet you that was his attitude. But look, we see the end result for obeying, for being humbled. So he was humbled through that circumstance. And we see from that moment on, Peter changed. He was transformed through that experience of humility. Another story that I'm reminded of, and this is powerful, is when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. You see, tonight I bring you the message, a basic message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not bringing you a complicated message I'm bringing you a solid foundation. I'm bringing you something solid that will sustain you in your dark times, that will sustain you in those moments where you're going to need humility to carry you by the grace of God. This is not complicated. This is something for you to just say, I receive what the word of the Lord is coming to me tonight and what God is trying to tell me tonight. So if we see how um, the washing of, of, of the disciples' feet um, I wanted to really quick, I'm reminded of this powerful video that I was looking at the other day. And I said, you know something, I'm going to use that the night um, that I share because I think it's powerful. So if we can get the lights first and watch this small clip. The spotlight's in the back. Daudi 
Diavella Sigimim Bele and Radafuli Ildafunukom Altikhalon Ifemenachma Dihoda Kashta Dihala Amen. I don't know about you, but if Jesus was to walk in here tonight and he was to say, Joey, grab a chair because I want to wash your feet. I don't know. I'd be like, I think, what do you mean? I should be washing your feet. But you see, the message of the gospel is almost like what the world would say reverse. It doesn't make sense to the world. When we uh, tell people that if they slap you on one cheek to give them the other. They're like, oh, man, you're a scaredy cat. You don't know how to defend. Or if we tell people, hey, if you owe someone money, forgive them their debt, just like Christ has forgiven yours. What do you mean? That's my money. Never. And I'll fight tooth and nail to get back the 10 bucks you owe them from 10 years ago. And so people, the world, the message of the world is opposite from the gospel. And that's why that picture you see the city is upside down. The world is upside down. It's a twisted mentality. And that's why we're here to share the message of the gospel. When you talk about these truths to people, that's why Jesus came and he says, no, I'm going to wash your feet. That's a shocker. And so people don't understand that. So if we see in the gospel of John chapter 13, verse 5, we're reminded Of this story, it says, after that, in verse 5, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Here goes Peter again. I told you Peter had the attitude. And so Peter is like saying, Lord, are you washing my feet? Again, arguing with the master. And Jesus, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, what I am doing you do, do not understand now. You do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, okay, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered him. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, also, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Peter, like I said, reminds me a lot of me. Because this is the type of guy, as you can see, if he's going to do something, he does it all the way. He doesn't want to just do halfway. Like the same thing with the net and the boat. He was like, okay, fine, let's go then. And not only did they catch a little... They caught so much that the net began to break. See, because Jesus knew who he was dealing with. He was dealing with a hard head. He was dealing with somebody that needed to be taught. That the humility, that he needed to be humbled through that circumstance. So as we see um, Peter arguing, Peter then gives in and says, Okay, Jesus, go ahead and wash all of me then. The whole thing. Just do the whole thing then. Um. And so we see here in verse 10, it says, Jesus said to him, he who has bathed uh, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. And therefore he said, you are not all clean. So we see here in that message that I'm sharing with you tonight about the feet and how Jesus washed Peter's feet. That Peter needed to be reminded Peter needed to be reminded that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Jesus, uh, Peter needed to be taught that so that he could carry on the message of the truth, the message of the gospel, the message of Christ, the message of humility, the message of strength, the message of power. And that's what Jesus came here to do. And some of us have lost that truth. Jesus didn't only come here to be served. If we see in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. 
And what I, I want to talk to you about this for a moment. In Matthew 20, 28. Praise the Lord. God is so good. <clears throat> Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So if we see a lot of times when we get when God promotes us, when God promotes us to another level, another status in our employment, or we do something good and everybody's like, oh, wow, what a good job. It's very difficult for us to keep a humble attitude. It's tough it's for us to stay low. Um, it's, us, it's hard sometimes for us to decrease so that Christ may increase. But if we're reminded on how Christ came to serve us instead of for us to be serving him... If Christ was to walk into this room, we would all be like, Lord, what can I do for you? Can I get you a cup of coffee? Can I get you uh, water? Whatever you need. Listen, I'll do whatever it takes to, to bless you. Uh, I'll be like, Pastor, I'm going to get one of your Perrier waters, all of them. I'm giving them to the Lord. And he'll be like, amen, because I know Pastor. And so we'll do whatever we need to do. We're going to put them up in the best hotel. Whatever. Lord, what can we do? And Jesus, as we saw in this message, he'll come in. He'll tell all of you to take off your shoes. He'll get on his hands and knees in all his humility, and he'll start to wash our feet. That's crazy, but that's the message of the gospel. That's the love that he has for you. That's the message that he's trying to teach us, and some of us can't even serve our own wives. Some of us can't even serve our own husbands a cup of coffee, but then you'll do it at work for your boss. Some of us don't know how to serve. We want to be served instead of us serving others. And that's not the message of the gospel. The, Lord, the word of the Lord says that we need to exercise this within our own homes first. Before we can do anything at any magnitude in the house of the Lord. So if we're not being diligent with this message in our homes with the people that we most love and that are around us. Then how in the world do you think we're going to change this world with the people out there? We can't. And so Christ is telling you tonight through his word that you need to wash somebody's feet. And if you want to do it literally, and that's what God is speaking to you, do it. We did that the other night with the youth group, and it was powerful. And I started off with the example. And I washed uh, George's feet, and then he washed mine. And then the kids, because, you know, they think it's funny. And, and we taught them, no, this is serious. This is what Christ said to do. So that we can teach one another. You don't understand now, Christ says. You do not understand now, but you will later. And I think that we get the gist of what God is, what the word is trying to say in this word. Some people serve. And they serve well. But it's nobody else other than themselves. And so, that's the problem that we have very often. And it's, it's, it's a tragedy to see that. Especially in the house of the Lord, when we have people that are claiming to be children in the Lord. And so I want you guys to know that we're going to change this world. We're going to be effective in the city of Doral, Miami, wherever you live, and then the world, if we could start in our own backyard. So let's, why is it, and this is just a rule here after counseling many couples and many people for, for a lot of years that is, I've heard this so many times that people say, the one that gets me the most upset is the one that I live with. Nobody can get me mad like my brother does. He just makes my skin crawl. I want to kill him. Or my sister, she's just like, I just want to lock her up in the bathroom and leave her there. And siblings arguing and even husband and wives wanting to kill each other. But then they can go to the corner, order a cafecito. Hey, how you doing, mi amor? How was your day? And just, you don't even talk to your wife that way. And you're talking to the lady in the window better than you talk to your own wife. And so, the, we don't need to go too far. We don't need to come up in this church. Listen, you don't have to be nice to me. Start being nice to the people that you live with. 
Be nice to your family first. Be nice to the people in your home. That's a training ground right there, boy. I'm telling you, because when you live with a person, they could rub you the wrong way because they're constantly there. Right? And so that's right there. Jesus is teaching his disciples, hey, guess what? I'm going to wash your feet because I love you and I'm here to serve you. Powerful stuff. I wish the youth were, all of them were here hearing this because I know that right now their parents are saying, yes, good stuff. John the Baptist, I cannot talk to you about humility unless we talk about John the Baptist. And this is one of the last uh, stories that we're going to see. So we see here that the circumstance through Peter about the boat and the fish, that was Peter learning humility through a circumstance. We see here Jesus washing the disciples' feet. That was humility learned through a lesson. Right? And we see in the circumstance where Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. That was a circumstance. And I explained to you many examples on how you can start practicing that humility with your own family. And then, of course, John the Baptist. This is through uh, learning how we can get or grasp the humility of the Lord. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Verses 13 through 17. And this is powerful. This is one of my favorite uh, scripture in the, in the word. And I've read it trillions of times. Not trillions, dozens of times. Okay, so Matthew 3, verses 13. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, amen. So John the Baptist, John baptizes Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son, verse 17, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, you have John the Baptist Prepare the way of the Messiah. Prepare the way of the Lord. Proclaiming the gospel as we heard the other day. Um, as Pastor was saying, John the Baptist was a proclaimer. He was letting everybody know that the king is coming. Jesus is coming. And guess what? He came in his lifetime. That's wow. And so Jesus shows up. And just try to paint this picture in your head. And he says... Jesus tells him, baptize you, baptize me. And this way, we can fulfill all righteousness. Of course, human reaction, the same way Peter did the same thing. No, I should be washing your feet. What do you mean? Same thing John the Baptist. He said, I'm not sure about that. Is this a test? I think you should baptize me. I mean, I don't know about me baptizing you. And Jesus, once again, is teaching us through the lesson of humility. Jesus is saying to you tonight, no, let you baptize me. It's the humility of Christ that sustains us. It's a humility of Christ that he would like for you to walk in tonight. You see, if we can start to learn how to walk in that light of humility, then I think that you could win that family member or that neighbor that you have been trying to minister to the Lord in, in, in for such a long time. And you see, service and the character of humility go hand in hand as we see here tonight in this word. You know, I've noticed that sometimes my neighbors, the word says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, I got one neighbor on one side of my house. Man, this guy's a Christian, Dominican family, love them, food amazing. Four kids, my kids play with them all the time. This guy, hermano, buenos dias, como esta? And so we have a tremendous relationship. This guy's a blessing to have as a neighbor. And so it's easy to serve him, right? It's like, listen, you go on vacation. I got your back. Whatever you need, I'm here. I'll get your trash for you. I'll bring in your paper. But then on the other side of my house, 
I mean, God put this guy there to teach me humility. I'm just saying, this guy is like, he walks out of his house in the morning, does me the nod. I'm trying to be nice to him. Hey, how are you doing, Juan? Whatever. It's like, I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? And so for years, um, you know, I built an AC system and I had to repair my AC and we needed to make a little hole. And my wall connects to his backyard. And so it's just so that the AC could drain in his grass where the kids never play, where he would never even see. Knocked on his door. Hey, um, how you doing? What, what do you want? Well, I just wanted to let you know my air conditioning broke and I needed to drain this little pipe and it's in your grass. Well, I don't know. I, that's not, I don't want any holes in my wall. And I'm like, how do I tell this guy it's not his wall? It's my wall. But if I said that, he would have slammed. So I had to be careful. I'm like, okay, please, man. My, my AC broke. There's no other way I can put the filter. I need to do this thing. Finally, I convinced him. So we start doing it. We put the hole. And then it needed to be patched with concrete around the pipe. Listen, I'm not a handyman. I'm terrible at handy, but I'll figure it out if I have to. So I went, and, and, and the guy, man, I think only one day passed, right? One day passed. I'm there coming outside my house on a Saturday or Monday or something, and he comes to me, and he goes, hey, Joey, why hasn't that pipe hole been filled yet? What's going on? And I go, no, man, I'm sorry. It's just the guy that was helping me with that. I'm not very good at handiwork, and, and he was going to come. He goes, it doesn't take that long to fill in a little hole like that. What's the matter with you? Come on, get it done. You know, what do you do? It's just like, shut up, you idiot. No. It's like, okay, Juan, you know what? Um, I'm sorry, man. I, I'll get it done as soon as I can. My bad, you know. And I didn't, there's ways to say that. You can be like, all right, man, whatever. I'll get it done as soon as I can, Okay. Or you could really be humble, genuinely, and say, Juan, I'm, look, I'm sorry. I'll get it done as soon as I can. I should have had it done. You're right. I apologize. And I went, and I humbled myself, man, and I walked into that house, and what do you think I did? I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. Because if, you know, what? What are you going to do, fight? Are you going to tell the guy off? Are you trying to win him to the Lord? That's an opportunity. An opportunity to be humble. An opportunity to show him the character of Christ. An opportunity to wash his feet. I washed his feet, boy, that day, and I washed them good. I got every crevice between those toenails, man. I dug out the dirt. I clothed them, and then I did a double dip because that was tough to walk away from that. Very difficult, my friend. But we know that as Christ, we're going to suffer for the name of God, for the name of Christ. We've been praying for those people and those neighbors, and, and little by little, you know, we'll see what happens. But the point is, you guys understand that there's circumstances all the time for us to be clothed with the humility of Christ. And so what are we doing with those circumstances? What are we doing with those opportunities? Are we embracing them, or are we dropping the ball, you know? And, and guess what? If you do drop the ball, then there's repentance, and God will sustain you, and he'll help you through it. And so God is so good. And I finally went to Home Depot that day. I bought the little concrete, to not leave you hanging. I bought the little concrete bag. I mixed it with water, instant mix. It dried up. I asked the guy in Home Depot. I had the guy crazy because I didn't know how to do it. He explained to me. And I went and I patched it up. Done deal. That's it. Um, so we took care of that. So I passed the test. Glory. Thank the Lord for that one. And that happened already like five months ago, six months ago. After we are able to receive the understanding of Christ's humility... We will then have the character of the new man. Let's see what the character of the new man is in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to see the character. What is the character of a new man? If we say the old man has died, behold, all things have been made new. Here, we're going to tell you what the character. The word's going to tell you tonight what the character of the new man is. Since then... You have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. And so if we see there, for set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, verse 3. 
For you died, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, that's the character of Christ right there. And in order for you to do this, you must be humble. You cannot put on this character unless you are humbled before the Lord. Now, let me do a little test. Let's ask a test tonight. And this is the test to measure if your humility is intact or if it still needs a little work. Ask yourself this question and say to yourself, am I who I am today in Christ because of what I have done or because what he has done? If the answer, if you're giving yourself any credit for what you have accomplished in ministry, for what you have been promoted for in your jobs, for anything, and you think it's because of what you and your labor and I have fought and I'm doing, you're going to be humble through a circumstance. And so I'm trying to teach you tonight to learn the humility of Christ through his teachings, through his word. And so be humble. Have your mind set in a humble way and say, God, it's only because of you that I am who I am. It's only because of you that I have what I have. In fact, I don't have anything. It all belongs to you anyway. So if you didn't give it to me, I wouldn't have had it in the first place. So it's pointless to even try to say I have anything. Well, I've worked so hard and I have the house. I look what I work for and this is my house and this is my stuff. We have a twisted. If we're going to act like that, then we're just like everybody else. And if you're like everybody else, you're not adding value to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In order for you to get the attention of the world, of the people that are not living for Christ, it starts with humility. I think you will blow people's socks off if you would just start treating people differently. If you would just wake up tomorrow and just start in the morning and say, good morning, sweetheart. How are you? Or good morning, children. Or mom, dad, whoever you live with. And just start your day. Um, answer your phone in a different light. Courtesy, just politeness. Words. A lot of us are not even polite. We walk around bitter with beady eyes and just mad at the world. And like the other day I had to tell an employee at work, I said, why are you so angry all the time? What are you so mad at? It's like, I'm not mad. Why are you saying that? I'm like, <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, I never see you smile. So if you're going, listen, you can talk to me. You know, I'm a pastor. I could help you. We'll pray. Are you going through a hardship at home? No, no, I'm fine. Everything is fine. So sometimes we get people mad just by asking them, are you okay? But if we, if we walk in a different light, genuinely humble, then and we're with the attitude of serving others and we're with the, clothed with the humility of Christ, I can't say it enough. I think you'll be blown away with how much you could win people to the Lord and bring people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who have come to God's humility, and I'm closing soon, those whom have come to God's humility and has embraced God's humility will be able to lead others to Christ with their example, prosper, have God's people, because they, have, they knew better not to respond to the people's foolishness and the joy of the Lord instead. If you have the joy of the Lord in your heart and you're able to embrace that the way up is down, and we see here how that city is upside down for his goodness is because that message of the way up is down is trying to teach you something. God is trying to speak to you tonight, and he's trying to tell you, hey, listen to me for a moment, that I've come here tonight to wash your feet. And a lot of times when you go to wash someone else's feet, you're going to be challenged this way, and, and this is I'm embracing you, I'm preparing you for impact, like we say. Um, when you go to try to help somebody and you try to humble yourself, and you try to do something for somebody, they're not going to believe you. It's going to be like Peter saying, there's no way. I've already been there, done that. We didn't catch anything. It's going to be like John the Baptist where he's going to say, are you kidding me? I can't. You, you know, no, no, no. What do you mean? I'll, I'll do it for you instead of you doing it for me. And then pride. Listen, no. I, I, there's been moments, and, and I'm, 
this is the glory for the Lord is not because of me. There's been moments in my life where there's been business deals and I've had to go and, 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 and I've learned this from, from awesome men of God in my life that has taught me examples. I've had to go and pay back debts that weren't even mine. Because if it was going to be to cause this person to stumble and they uh, felt that it was my debt, then I said, listen, I'm not going to cause anybody to stumble. If it's money holding this person back for a full surrender, they can have it. And I've gone and I've paid the debt. And I've seen pastor do the same where he has forgiven people's debt at his law practice in front of me. We drove and went and forgave the guy. And the guy was like, thank you. And so that goes a long way. It goes further. That's right there humbling yourself. And, but let me tell you, that gift of humbling yourself and giving to someone, not monetary, but giving to someone a need or just being there to serve. Listen, I am blown away with the testimony of Pastor Rivero and Clara Marcela. This man, if you guys do not know, um, we used to call him the terror of pastors. And I remember as a kid, and I remember as a kid growing up watching him as a teenager at church just saying, wow, I wish I could preach like that one day. What a man of God. And he walks in this church, and he is the most humble servant. And his wife, the most humble, my wife tells me, I love to work. I love to work with Clara because she is such a joy to work with. She doesn't complain. She never says anything to anybody. You ask her for something, and she's there, the first one to do it, to serve. These people are servants of the Lord. I love to hang out with people with that kind of heart. I'm not saying perfect. None of us perfect. But listen, these are servants of the Lord. These guys are heroes in the faith. What this man went through, do you guys know he has an organ transplant? And he walks around drinking medicine. And he is fighting the fight of good faith for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And has ran his own churches as a head pastor. A man of God in our midst here. And a wife that loves the Lord. And these people are servants of the most high God. And you would never know. If I didn't tell you or he hasn't told you, you would never know. These people are servants, man. And I am blown away. And a lot of you are like that here tonight. And we thank God for you. We, God will bless your socks off. God has no debt with no one. What you do in secret, he will reward you openly. And your treasure is great in heaven. I promise you that he will not let that debt be um, left unpaid. So if we can just grasp tonight the message of the gospel uh, with the good news of humility, the Lord is here tonight to speak to you. If we can have the musicians come forward, and I want all of you to just please prepare your hearts as God will start to minister to you. And this is such an important message because if we can't come to that place where and now after having heard tonight's word, believe you me, there's going to be opportunities for you to wash someone's feet. And it's going to be tough. A guy's going to be in your face saying, why isn't that pipe filled? And you're going to be like, you know, and so we'll see where the humility of Christ, Christ comes. And it's through the character of Christ. It's through the integrity of the Lord. It's through the gospel, the message of the gospel that brings us to our knees tonight with a spirit of thanksgiving, with a heart filled with just an attitude of humbleness. And like I said, I can't share with you this message tonight because I'm better than anyone else. I could only share it with you because I know I've been humbled. I've been humbled by God's goodness. I know that what I have, it's only because of him. I know who I am, it's only because of him. The relationships that I value more than anything, I have because of Christ. And I've had those relationships taken away. I know what it's like to, to, to lose, to suffer. And this is just the beginning. We're just getting started here. We're just getting started. This is not even, we haven't even gotten to the end result yet. Let's all stand tonight. I'm not going to do an altar call. I just want for you right there in your seats where you are at. Ask the Lord as we sing this song. To just let God fill your heart with that humility. Let God fill your heart with that patience, with that love, that kindness. 
that attitude of being a servant before him, before his grace, how by coming under the humility of the Lord, he's going to sustain you. The grace will keep you, as the word says, if you can embrace his hum humility tonight. Get before the Lord tonight and lift up your hands to the Lord and say, God, fill me with your humility. You are good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love, on display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. 